0: So part of the last couple of weeks for me has been a little bit of vacation time and just otherwise working on some projects. But David was kind enough to take a second Sunday for me so I could do some things. And we welcome him now to preach to us from Daniel chapter two about the empire of our Lord Jesus Christ. So bring the word. thing doesn't look strong enough to hold the whole Word of God, but it looks like it's going to work. There you go. Okay, there we go. uh, This morning I preached at Bohemia just two verses, Romans 10, 3 to 4. This afternoon, quite a lot more, because, well... That's the way it works sometimes, so let's feast on Daniel chapter 2, the whole of it. Hear the word of God. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever, tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. And the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. And if you sh- and if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed, you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore... Tell me the dream, and I shall know that you will. Uh, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, "There is not a man in, in, on, on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a king of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh." Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill, uh, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon he declared to Arioch the king's captain why is the decree of the king so urgent then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah Mishael and Azariah and his companions and told them to seek mercy from the god of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed With the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons, he removes kings and sets up kings, he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said to him thus, do not destroy the wise men of, ba- of Babylon. Bring, to m- bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and said thus to him, "I have found among the exiles of Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation." The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, "Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation?" Daniel answered the king and said, No wise man, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head, as you lay in bed, are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this and he who reveals mysteries made known to you uh, what it is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw, O king, behold, a great image, Then the iron, the clay and the bronze, the silver and the gold all together were broken into pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, To whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory. And into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of men, and the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you. And yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron. Because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw, the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay, partly of iron, it shall be a a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed in with soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron, partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw, the iron mixed with the soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, and they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms, and break them to an end, bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever." just as you saw that the stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that it broke into pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and made great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ...over the affairs of the province of Babylon... ...but Daniel remained in the king's court. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word... ...your inspired word, your life-giving word. We pray now that you would impress upon our hearts... ...give us understanding... uh, ...give us greater love for your word... and, ...and may it flow out into all our lives that we may walk forth in the wisdom and boldness of it. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. One of the nice things about modern times is that we have discovered many of the secrets of controlling the universe. In earlier times, people just kind of accepted that things happen, you know, bad things happen, you get sick, you die die young, um, things are rough, and, you know, that's life. But then, you know, the modern world happened with technology and wonders and so forth. And we have become intolerant of mishap and suffering as a result, we expect solutions to all our problems, and we demand solutions of all our problems. Uh, because of technology, this conquest of nature, uh, the more it allows us to control, the more impatient we become that we can't control everything. And that's true of us, but it's always been true of the tyrants of the earth, uh, the strong men, the, uh, the, the cruel and unjust hard-fisted men who, 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 who rule, rule nations. They've always tried to control the universe. They try to control as many people and as many circumstances as possible. But as a result, they don't live without fear. As a result, they live constantly in fear. Fear of other people. Fear of the future. Fear of their mortality. Despite their great power, they are keenly aware of their vulnerability. But tyrants, like, or, or like any political leaders, go beyond this, and they desire glory as well, to be celebrated in their own time and to be celebrated for ages to come. And even that is a way of controlling, even controlling the future after they're gone. And the rest of us do it in petty ways. We seek glory, honor, notoriety in small and at times ridiculous ways. We seek reputation with other people. We seek the spotlight some of the times. Uh, selfies and, and putting them out there are a way of, like, look at me. And, and likes and followers on social media, can we get any more petty and ridiculous Yes, uh, but that's just us in our small ways. Tyrants do it in kings of the earth in larger ways. And Nebuchadnezzar was one such ruler. His ambition was to be the most magnificent king and possess the greatest empire. And so we see how Daniel uh, refers to him in verses 37 and 38. And this is how everyone talked about him. And he liked it that way. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given uh, the the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of men, not only that, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, uh, making you rule over them. And he calls him the head of gold in this dream. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar sees himself the same way later on in in chapter 4. He uh, stands on the roof of his palace and looks out over as much of his kingdom as he can see. And he said, is this not the great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? This is how he sees himself. This is his ambition in this world. Uh, And we are not much different in our more ordinary vanity and boasting. But spiritually, It's all a cosmic rebellion against the kingdom and glory of Christ. Notice, first of all, uh, Nebuchadnezzar grasping at empire and glory. Nebuchadnezzar is a man in control. He even controls the gods through his sacrifices and his priests, and you might think, well, what, what, that's his God. What about the gods of other nations? Well, he controls them too by conquering those other nations. When he conquers the nation, he conquers their gods because their gods were no match for him. And he thinks he can conquer Yahweh by conquering Israel. But the Lord will show Nebuchadnezzar that Yahweh is not the God who belongs to Israel, but Israel belongs to Yahweh, and all the kingdoms of the earth belong to Yahweh. And so he is not a God who can be governed, not a God who can be controlled. Nebuchadnezzar has dreams. And whereas usually dreams come and go, you may like them, you may not, but you have the dream and it goes, uh, this one kept coming. It kept coming back again and again. Uh, so he had to take it seriously. There's something about this dream, and so his spirit was troubled. We're told on account of this dream, and very threatening images regarding the future. Uh, this this unsettled him, and so he called for the meaning of it. Why? Usually, that was a weird dream. That's bothersome. That he calls for the re, the re, the meaning of this dream, the in order to bring what the future under control this portends something about the future and he doesn't like that he can't control the future and he wanted to make sure that uh, the chaldeans the sorcerers the magicians who interpret these dreams are actually giving him uh, the real uh, truth concerning it he suspects you see that they've been flattering him. They've been making stuff up. And what do they make up? They make up stuff that is in their interests, not necessarily his interests. They give him interpretations of his dream uh, to, in whatever way they can, control him. Flattery, we all know, is a kind of manipulation. And one who is flattered is not fully in control. So he accuses them of feeding him, verse 9, lying and corrupt words. And so he told the Chaldeans to tell him the dream, the content of the dream, before they give him the interpretation. And he brings all the power of his empire to bear upon them. Great rewards and great punishments. Verses 5 and 6. The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruin. And if you show me the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. Yeah. And he's angry when they say they can't do it. Verse 12, it says he's, he says, uh, because of this, they, they, they we can't do this. Nobody can do this. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that they all be destroyed. Uh, why? He's frustrated at not being the god over the universe. Only the king over the empire, not also the god over the universe. Uh, He knows that these people are liars and fakers and manipulators. But also, this puzzle of the dream, which keeps coming back to him, is hanging over his head, hanging over this unknown future, hanging over him, and he cannot bear that. Even at the end, he arguably tries to bring God under his control by promoting Daniel and getting Daniel, and thus his God, on his side. And isn't there a bit of that in every sinner's heart? You can't trust anyone but yourself because you just don't trust God. If only you could control everything and everyone, then everything would be fine. And then when everything goes well, who gets the credit? Who looks good? At the very least, in your eyes, well, you. And that sits well with you. But of course, it will not be fine because you are not God. And because God loves you, he will shake you out of these illusions. Notice, secondly, Daniel rests in God's sovereign care. Daniel, by contrast, does not rely on his own craftiness or his own abilities. Uh, we're told in verse 14, he spoke with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard. But he relied wholly upon God. Uh, he's acting wisely, speaking with prudence and discretion. But nonetheless, verse 18, he seeks mercy from the God of heaven, he casts himself entirely upon the Lord and His mercy. Uh, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, is essentially what he says. And notice how humble his prayer is. It's not a demanding prayer. He doesn't have God uh, under control. No, it's a humble prayer. Hence, uh, he asks for God's mercy, and uh, there's lengthy praise to God. Uh, in answer to the prayer. Look at verse 21. Verse 21. uh, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever when God has answered the prayer. To whom belong wisdom and might. He has the wisdom and the might. Not I, Daniel. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those of understanding. He doesn't say to Nebuchadnezzar, Don't worry. These guys, they know nothing. I can reveal that to you. He doesn't say that. He directs attention to God. Verses 27 and 28. No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery that he is asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He does not draw attention to himself. He is consistent in deflecting glory from himself to God. Verse 30, this mystery has been revealed to me not because I have greater wisdom than other living men. He directs attention to God's purposes, that the king understand God's personal concern for him. So what we see here is not heroic Daniel. What we see here is basic Christian humility and love for God. The Apostle Paul, what, is he, what do we see in the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul is always giving glory to the Savior. He says, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Anything there is to commend me reflects on my Savior. Everything, is, everything that, that is not commendable, that's all my sin. I am all unrighteousness. He is my crown and my glory. As you grow in Christ, you become ever more jealous of God's glory. That is, ever more protective for God's glory. Ever more uncomfortable with praise, with your great stuff. <laughs> it's like, like those people in the, every, every now and again in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, people bow down like to John uh, uh, and, and worship him. No, 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 not don't worship me. God in heaven deserves all glory and praise and honor and worship. And and we're we're more and more like that with the small things as well as the great things. We, We echo Psalm 115. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name be glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Notice also Christ will establish his kingdom and glorify his Father. Daniel... Let's go back to those 30, verses 37 and 38. Daniel praises Nebuchadnezzar, calls him the head of gold, the king of kings, and the glory of the earth, and all the, all the children of men, and the beasties and the birdies are all in his hands and under his sway. That's flattering. Who does it sound like Daniel is describing there? Uh, Jesus, of course. It sounds like he's describing the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, he's talking to Nebuchadnezzar, who is obviously unworthy. So it's kind of a biblical mockery of him. Every ruler, every ruler, presidents and kings, empires and aldermen, every ruler has a kind of majesty that reflects God's majesty. And every ruler is unworthy of it. Daniel goes on to talk about the one who is worthy, the one who will be king of kings, and the one who will rule over all the earth when he unpacks the dream. He talks about the four kingdoms. There'll be the Babylonian kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar and his rule. Then it will be followed by the Medo-Persian empire, the empire of Cyrus the Great. And then after that, the Greek Empire, the Empire of Alexander the Great. And then after that, the Roman Empire, the Empire of the Caesars. And when that last one appears, Christ comes to establish his kingdom that never ends. And he has done this. But it will be completely fulfilled only at the second coming. When he established, he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he established the kingdom at the cross and the resurrection but then even then it awaits the consummation of the kingdom at the end at the second coming so the kingdom of Christ is already but not yet at the same time but it is and it is finished and and it will be completed as sure as Christ is risen and God has placed Nebuchadnezzar on the throne But unless he bows to the throne of heaven, his throne is meaningless. He thinks his throne is is everything. Uh, He's got it all. This is what really successful, the truly successful human beings have empire over all the earth, not just a, a congressional district, not just the state of California, not just America, but the kingdom over all the earth, the truly successful human being, has this. And the scriptures say, and the risen Christ says, that is meaningless unless you bow your throne to the king of kings and lord of lord, whose kingdom will never end. Consider this. His kingdom and those that follow are represented by a statute. A statue, what is a statue? A statue represents something else. On its own, if there is not something else to be represented, it's just a blob of some sort, a meaningless thing. And if it weren't for the something else, that's all it would be. So too, Nebuchadnezzar's rule, represented as a statue here, which represents the kingdom of Christ, Uh, points beyond itself to the greater kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar's rule points beyond itself to the rule of Christ. Apart from Christ, his rule is a farce. Though the statue, like any statue, may be beautiful, it may be impressive with a head of gold and and, and a chest of, of silver and so forth, on its own, it is just lifeless rock. So too, Nebuchadnezzar is dead without Christ. His works are dead and meaningless unless they are done for Christ and done in Christ. Some time ago, a poet named Percy Shelley, on a lark, wrote a poem called Ozymandias. He wrote it on a lark. It's a profound summary of political ambition. And it goes like this. I met a traveler from an antique land who said... Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies whose form and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read which yet survive stamped on these lifeless things the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed and on the pedestal these words appear my name is ozymandias king of kings look upon my work ye mighty and despair nothing beside remains round the decay of the colossal wreck boundless and bare the lone level the lone and level sands stretch far away there it is In his day, quite a guy thought he ruled the world and he would rule it forever. And now what's left of it? A couple of chunks in the middle of boundless sand. Human ambition. Donald Trump was always a picture of empire and glory. I'm thinking of the Trump before his political career. Right? Trump Tower. The Trump Building. Trump Estates. Trump this and Trump that. We all knew it. From the time I was in high school, I knew this. Right, This is the way he was. It will all disappear in the sands of time. And he is a mirror of you and me. Who have our own petty empires. Calvin said that the human heart is an idol factory. We naturally incline to building empires. Empires of the mind, empires of borders, empires of business, of fame and popularity. We try to expand. We network, right? And we have connections, and, and we build a career, and we build a kind of empire. And this, is, this can often be good. Nothing wrong with these things if they are taken soberly and, and given to God in Christ as his empire, of which we steward but we slip into claiming it for ourselves because our hearts are idle factories. If Christ is not the center of it, brothers and sisters, he will shatter it, and before that it will come to nothing. Since 1990, America has been the sole superpower of the earth, number one and proud of it. This is an amazing providence that shall leave us both thankful and humble but if christ is not number one in america that awesome power and responsibility should leave us trembling the lord will expose the empty cold statue of our fleeting glory and the same is true of the empires we build in our private lives I'll leave you with the, uh, the words I often repeat to myself. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray. O oh, heavenly Father, Lord, these humble and ridiculous bags of flesh that you have redeemed and put into your service. Lord, you give us charge over little and you give us charge over much. Father, chasten our hearts that we may devote more completely all that we are and all that we have to your kingdom and your glory and your perfect and divine direction. And be satisfied in that. And be pleased in that. Be excited in that. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.